Welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I'm your host, Kayleen Langford, founder of Startup Creative, your go-to source for straight-up business advice. Welcome to the Startup Creative Podcast. I have a special guest with me today, um, a new friend of mine, Jai. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So Jai and I met, um, I think you did a shout out on Instagram looking for business coach. A mutual friend put us in touch. We did a really great episode and then randomly, we, we were living down the road from each other Yeah. Um, and ended up running into each other at the airport, actually, both flying home for Christmas. And um, yeah, it was a vibe. So I thought, let's get you on ours. You have a really cool story. I learned a little bit about it in recording our podcast together. Um, but I've got some good notes here that I really want to pull out with your story. So maybe we'll just start off. Um, if you want to introduce yourself, your business name, and um, tell us what you do for a living. Yeah, cool. Well, thanks for having me. And it's funny how small the world is, how you get connections like that, you know, putting something on Instagram and what comes back and then you make friends from things like that. I think it's really cool. Yeah, we're going for drinks this afternoon, we just decided. Yeah, and now I'm here in your lounge room and we're doing a podcast, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, my name is Jai. I am a wedding photographer and I've got a business called Free the Bird. And I also do uh, phot- photography education and that's under Jai Long. And, um, and I have another business called Heartbreak Hotel and that's DJs and photo booths. So they're my three main projects that I work on all the time. And, um, yeah, it's pretty fun. Awesome. And, uh, and this is what I love about business. This is why I started my business, actually, because on the outskirts, right, um, Jai rattles off his, his successes and we could go into them. We probably will go into them in, in more detail. Um, but, you know, you have that intro and you're like, wow, that guy's killing it. But you've got an incredible backstory as to how you got to where you were. And having listened to your podcast, something that I picked up is that you said, I'm an open book. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go there today with you and I want juicy details. Absolutely. I, want- I, I love not holding back. So yeah. if your listeners are ready. Straight up business advice is that, that <laughs> <Yeah>. tagline. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, you've got three businesses now. Mm-hmm. You own two houses. Mm-hmm. You've got six staff members. Mm-hmm. You run workshops around Australia and internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, you have got 43,000 followers on Instagram mm-hmm. and a very successful podcast. you very um, good at photography. We also did a photo shoot together. We've <laughs> done <laughs> a lot in fun. our yeah. two weeks of friendship. Yeah. Um, but where did it all start? So my understanding is that you didn't even finish high school. Yeah, that's right. It's um, it's pretty interesting because the way that I view the world is so different to a conventional way. And it comes from growing up in a place like I, I grew up in um, like housing commission, a lot of like donations from Red Cross and a lot of, you know, things like that. Like our Christmases used to be go down to St. Finney's and they would let us in and we can like, you know, choose some things and we'll wrap them up for ourselves and things like that. So it was... um. I guess it was like unconventional in a sense where I didn't go to school to start off my younger years. And the first time I went to school was around about year four. And I, and my parents lied to get me into a school saying that I like did, you know, younger school. Um, and then it was, I kind of took it upon myself to continue going to school. I uh, dropped out for a year and then I did some homeschooling. And then I just didn't go to a school for another year, went in, did my year 10 certificate. And then after that, I just left school. And that's around about when I was about 16. So all up, I think my schooling probably went for about four years. 
Yeah, wow. Yeah, and I think in Australia, like if you're an international guest in Australia, you, you tend to do about 13 years of school. Yeah. So it was a lot less than everybody else. But it was, um, it made me wing my way through life because yep. I felt like I was underprivileged in the sense there was things that other people learned that I didn't learn. So I had to catch up and give myself an education. Yeah. And I also had to show up in a way that, didn't show my my weaknesses, which was like reading and writing. I couldn't read and write by the time I was 20 and my maths. When you were 20? Yeah, I couldn't do maths. And there was just so many things that was hard for me, but I kept it so close to myself. And I didn't realize that I wasn't like other kids at the yeah. time. Um, but it was as years went on later that I was like, oh, actually, you know, a lot of people struggle with these things. And But most people go to school and most yeah. people have a different path than what I've had. Yeah. And even yeah. like what, which I just made sense to me now, like having known your drive and the way that you've directed your own life, mm-hmm. like to take yourself back to school as well. Like there's something in that, even just your schooling experience that I can see now and how you run your business is that you flow mm-hmm. and, but you're very intentional about what you do so it's yeah like Like i'll tell you how intentional i am um i was in year 10 and i really wanted to go to a high school that was around the corner from my house and i don't think my parents were worried if i went back to school or not but i really wanted to go to school to get my year 10 certificate but i my my um why did you want to go back I felt like I wanted to go back because I just wanted that certificate to say that, like, I did school even though I didn't. I just I was like, okay, step one to change my life. Maybe I need some schooling. And so I went to the school that was around the corner, but I was zoned out. And so I went to that school and I asked them, I know I'm zoned out, but what do that I... That means you can't go if you don't live in the area. Yeah, so if I'm zoned to another school, which I didn't want to go to, and this one was more ghetto, but it was just like, I, it's just a school I wanted to go to. But I worked out loophole, how could I get there? And I went there and I had an interview of the school and I made up a whole story and I worked out the loophole on how to get me into that school and I got myself into that school where no one could ever do that. And so, like, here's, like, a I think I was, like, 14, 15, swindling my way into a school that I wasn't even allowed, like a public school I'm talking. This is, you know, this was actually probably the worst school in the area. Yeah. But just my drive of, like, how I want to change my life and the things that I'll do to get myself there. Yeah, so there's, like, that skill set and because, you know, we're – something that I'm really starting to break into a lot with Startup Creative is um, so much about entrepreneurship is those soft skills. Mm. So it's seeing setting your sights on something and then being like, how do I get myself there? <laughs> and so many people come for business coaching and say, or, you know, write to me on email or Instagram and say, I've got this idea. Yep. The majority of the people will have that idea spin around in their head. But I think yeah, you're yeah. the kind of person that goes, I've got an idea and then within three days, the it's idea exactly is up like that. <laughs> yeah. um, everyone finds it exhausting because people will be like, "Oh, did you hear Jai's new idea?" And then by Friday, I've launched it and I've got a campaign and a new website and everything's happening. Yeah. So, would you say <laughs> that's part of your success as a business? Like, um, the I would say the one thing um, that can contributes to my success is resilience, and the fact that I don't hear the word no. Mm. So a lot of people will hear no. Um, like here's a good example. Like yesterday I was shooting a thing for a course that I got coming up and I went into the city and I started shooting and I've got about 10 people around me and it's, I've organized this big thing and a security guard came up straight away and they're all on the micro, on the um, radios and they're saying like how I'm not allowed to shoot there. So they come up to usher us off and then like it didn't phase me at all. But I seen everyone else start packing up. I'm like, we don't need to pack up. Why are you packing up? I just need to talk to the security mm. guard. So I went and had a chat to him. 
And within 30 seconds, he's like apologizing to us. And then he walked off and everyone was like, what, what, like, what did you just say to him? And I, yeah, it's just like, what did he need to hear is what I said. Wow. Which, have you read How to Win Friends and Influence People? Uh, I've okay. started reading that book, but I need yeah. to get into that book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it sounds like you've already got the skills, but, um, I love that, that quality in you because it's, and I think it's a natural born entrepreneur quality and something, if you don't have it, you can definitely hone it. So, um, is how do you see opportunities and how do you go right? How, <laughs> like, it's almost like taking the blinkers off and being like, there's going to be a way that this can work. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And look for the opportunity. <laughs> opportunity is not something that everyone sees. And there's, there's some amazing studies shown that there's people out there that can't see opportunity mm. and they're the people that say they're unlucky. Mm. And the only reason why they're unlucky is because they don't, they don't see and they don't act on an opportunity when it comes in front of them. Yeah. Um, but then the opposite end of the spectrum is when someone says they're lucky. So when I was gro- growing up, one of the craziest things that everyone used to say about me and my first boss used to say about me and everyone was Jaya is the luckiest person I've ever met. Mm. Even though like, you know, I grew up in the house that I did and there was like domestic violence and we didn't have money and like I lived in housing commission and like there's all these things, um, you know, I didn't have an education. And I feel like from my perspective, like things weren't you know, going the right way. But at the same time, everyone looking at me is going like, Jai is so lucky. He always gets the job. He mm. always gets the friends. He always gets the things mm. that he wants. But it's that comes down to seeing opportunity. Yep. And I see it everywhere. Mm. Like there is not one time that I'm not looking around and I, I can see opportunity and I can also see money. Yep. So, for instance, like money is an interesting thing. Like it comes and goes and it flows around us. And the, own, the to get it in this world and this environment that we've built for ourselves which is capitalism basically um is if you show up and you can offer something better or something different or a service that solves someone's problem or anything like that then you get paid for it Mm. so if you're sitting in a room like we are now what i always look at is like oh okay so someone built this house and then they got a job to build that house that uh builder got paid by someone and then he got the skills to build that house and then the person that sold the wood, the milled the wood, the electrician that came in, person that sold the paintings. And then so there's like money in every single thing. And so when someone says there's no work out there or there's no jobs or there's no money, like you only have to look around mm-hmm. in the room that you're in and go like, man, there's about $10,000 in this room yeah. that got created by someone's idea and then their drive to like make that happen or solve yeah. a problem. And present themselves as, hey, I have something. Um, do you want to buy it? And I think that's something that I talk about a lot um, is the idea of limiting beliefs. And um, it, I guess it's that blinker mentality, right? It's like if you are consider yourself unlucky, you've got this one tunnel vision yeah. that you're like, this is life. And you're the only person that's put those blinkers on and created that lane that you're going to run life in. Yeah. And it's as simple as in those who are living, uh, listening at home and going, oh, yeah, maybe I, I don't see opportunities. What I would suggest, and feel free to chime in, is to go. What am I? What are my limiting beliefs? Like I can't afford it. Yeah, you know, my idea is not good enough, or whatever. And how do you take them off? Like how do you like break down those walls? Like <laughs> you know, cut the lane ropes and, yeah. and start moving across because it's your. It sounds so cliche, but you are the only one stopping you. It, it, no, it's one hundred percent true, and that. The hard thing is, though, like if you're asking me advice, how do you take those blinkers off? It's um, how do you give someone that advice? Yeah. Because it's like for me, like I didn't even realize I didn't have blinkers on, but that's just how I grew up. But for someone else, because it's so fluent for myself, 
like I just want to be like, what do you mean there's no jobs? Just look around. Or what do you mean? Like mm. um, you're stopping yourself with your mindset right now, but you can't tell someone that they need to change their mindset unless they ask. And I think that would, would be my first piece of advice is you have to be able to zoom out and see where you're limiting yourself. Mm. As soon as you observe it and see it, then you can do something about it. Yeah. But it's like you have to, you know, be hearing this conversation and go, fuck, that guy, that Jai guy is killing it. Yeah. How can I be like that? I can be like that. Like, exactly. And that, I mean, that's how I see everything as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I guess it's like a pretty interesting territory, but the whole mindset thing is like, yeah. it's you putting a limit on yourself and your capabilities and then, um, and then that's it. It's just like restriction. And I think something that um, I've learned through Joe Dispenza's work um, in meditation and neuroscience is that what you focus on expands. And why that happens is because when we focus on something, we give it an emotional charge. And what I notice about you, and we'll talk a little bit about your backstory of having failed business. Would, mm-hmm. you, or would you call it failed? Sorry, yeah, absolutely. I fail all the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, is... You have this ability to not give emotional charge. This is my observation. Mm, Tell me if I'm wrong. To not give emotional charge to what could be considered a total fuck up. A disaster for someone. And if you focus on that and the more energy you give it and the more emotion you give it, Mm -hmm. the more you're reiterating the blinkers. It's so true. I think that's where I like. I look at you and I'm like, how is this kid doing it? Tell me. Yeah. (laughs) in my workshops and things like that, I always teach people that I've never had a backup plan and I don't believe in backup plans because what a backup plan is, you are putting the thought into your mind and you're putting it to paper, a plan for you to fail. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, there's no plan B. There is no backup plan. Like, just give it all you got. And if it doesn't work out, you know, doing the thing that you love and that you're passionate about, then it's a story worth telling. But yeah. Don't go back to the backup plan. Allow that to happen after, you know, you lose everything or whatever happens, then just go back and go, okay, I'm going to rewrite this story and I'm going to create something different. Yeah, and I think that's – it's like, yeah, you don't ever go backwards. If it doesn't work, what's next? And always looking forward. Yeah, how can we get forward? What's next? Okay, why didn't that work? How can I make it work? Like something that I learned in personal development years ago was just uh, instead of saying it can't or like – and giving it like by saying it is like this mm-hmm. you're directing your energy and you're putting the limitation on yeah the moment you change that and say how can it work or how can i afford it or how can i meet that person or how can i be like that person totally you're opening you're, yourself up and neuro pathways like it's um actually neuroscience that says your brain actually then starts to look for opportunities um so in, on that point, because I think your story of your first business, I'd love to for you to share it in as much detail as you're willing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because I think that's where I look at you and go, right, this kid could have given a lot of emotional charge to that scenario and that mm. situation that happened and it could have stunted you and you could have stopped there forever. So yep. you finished grade 10, you went and worked as an electrician. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us what happens next. So it was, um, I, I moved out of home when I was about 16 and um, I worked uh, tirelessly to try and find myself an apprenticeship in a town when everyone said there was no apprenticeships, but I did get one and I worked for four years. And when I finished that, um, my dad was in and out of rehab. And so it was really hard for me to go in and see him. And um, he had a drug problem my whole life and there was a lot, a lot of domestic violence and things like that. But it got to a point when it, now it was like, 
it was serious and it was something that he needed help with. And I'm the oldest out of all my brothers and sisters, so there's five of us and I'm the oldest. So I feel like I needed to take charge of the situation and, you know, seeing your dad when he's so vulnerable and like, you know, he's, he's so weak and, mm. you know, I'm growing and I'm young, so I'm not strong either. Mm. And um, I'm trying to find my place in the world and I'm trying to understand the world. I guess like it's hard to understand the world when you have your beliefs, which my belief, like, I guess I grew up in a box in the sense of like, you know, I live in a suburban townhouse um, in the projects and like, my belief is like whatever the next few blocks are over, but everything I see is on TV and I see TV like, wow, there's bigger life out there, there's big cities, there's big mm-hmm. things. So I guess like when you're that young, you're kind of trying to learn like where do I want to be? And I knew I didn't want to be in the situation that I was in and I needed to get myself out of that. But the first thing I had to do was help my dad. Mm. And so to help my dad, um, he was the kind of guy who was very spiritual and he was um, he was so nice in like so many ways, and he had his his downfalls in so many ways because he had a hard upbringing as well. And so I don't hold anything against him, of course. Um, but he was the type of guy that you know I would fight to get an apprenticeship, and then I'd go over to his house and go, "Dad, I finally did. It. I got an apprenticeship." And then he would say to me, "Like, why did you do that for? I told you, like, jobs a waste of your life. Like, you might as well just." Because my dad never had a job. And the only job he had was like running drugs for the bikies on the East Coast, like from Brisbane to like Melbourne kind of thing. And sometimes I'd ride along with him and give him a hand. And um, so that was like, he just felt like, you know, don't waste your life doing being an electrician. Like what? That doesn't make any sense. $7 an hour compared to- $7 an hour, like- Probably $300 an hour running drugs. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I guess like the mentalities of him was like, um, you know, enjoy life. Mm. And so he was on the extreme and and I didn't realize- Till later that like you know his quality of life like when I grew up he was always there and like mm. you know it was really nice he had time to make go-karts for us and do things like that but as his drug problem got worse I had to brainstorm how to help him and so the first thing that I wanted to do is get him a job mm. so I was trying to find him a job and how do you find someone that's unemployable a job mm. it's almost impossible and so with business what I realized is you become the master of everything you become the master of like your own destiny and I could become the master of his. And so I was like, if I need to get him a job, it's the only way to get him out of rehab. I have to get him. I, ha- I have to be an employer. Oh, I have wow. to give him a job. And so I quit my job as an electrician. And when I was an electrician, I saved up all my money and I bought a nice car and I did all that. Um, and then I, a space opened up um, and I was like, I always had a future, you know, when I'm 30 years old, I want to have a cafe cause that'd be romantic, you know, making coffees for people and things like that. You have that. No hospitality. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just have that thing in your head. Can't read or write is a trained electrician. <laughs> yeah. Age 16. How old are you? At so, so at this stage I was 19. 19. Um, yeah. Going on to 20. Yeah. And, um, so I was a young, you know, by the time people were finishing school, I was already finished my trade. So that was like a big leg up for me. Mm. Um, so. How much did you save? I, th- I think I had about 30000 mm-hmm. and then I borrowed some money. And then there was a space that opened up that, like, wasn't um, really a cafe and it just needed a lot of work. So I called in all my tradie friends and I pulled in favors everywhere and I was like, I'm building a cafe and it's going to be open in three months' time, so let's do this. And everyone's like, what cafe? Like, you where did that no come from? You no hospitality No hospitality, no business experience, <laughs> no nothing. And no one to ask, no mentors, no one that I've never known had a business. Like. Yeah. It wasn't like I walked in and going, this is a thing. So my mind, my concept and my mindset was like my dad was a really good cook so he could be a chef. All I have to do is sell the food for more than we're spending 
and then make great coffees and sell those for more than it costs us. And then we're going to have a business and then he'll have a job and I'll have a job. Wow. So that was like the basics of business that I knew. Can I just stop you there? Like amazing story, but it's like what I notice in there and everyone talks about it from a theory point of view, but that's a fucking why. Yeah. Like that is the pure example of why people are driven. Totally. So my why, so here's a thing though, is your why, you need a why in business to succeed. And if you don't have a why, it's purposeless. It's like a job. It's Mm. like, you know, you don't have a goal, you don't have that drive. So um, my dad was in rehab and he just got out and we were opening the cafe in about one month and it was my 21st birthday um, coming up in a week's time and my dad ended up dying of a drug overdose. So he came out. And he died of a drug overdose a week before my birthday and then like a week before the cafe actually opened. Yeah, and it was big. Um, what was big was I didn't have time to mourn like that whole mm. thing. And also like I kind of already mourned him passing away mm. in a lot of sense. Like um, when I was a teenager, he used to try and commit suicide and he'd write me like suicide letters and then I would get him and I would hide him from the rest of my family and I wouldn't see him for a year. And so I thought, you know, he passed away and then he would just show back up and tell me how, like, oh, he tried, but it didn't work out. And, yeah, wow. and then I'd be like, oh, man, like I, I can't already let you go, but now you're back. Okay, mm-hmm. so moving on. Like, so my why disappeared before the doors opened and that becomes so hard because mm-hmm. all of a sudden I was like, okay, now I have to hire a chef. And that's like fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year that I didn't kind of like include and I wasn't including this grief and- yeah plus everything else like you know so now I've got a new career that I know nothing about absolutely nothing the reason and you did it is gone the reason I did it was gone and the income I mean the what I had to exp- um, spend on the cafe was going way up now because I needed more staff um so we opened the doors and I just worked and I worked and I you know um I worked so hard and it after about six months, started going downhill. And I was living uh, with my girlfriend, um, Lilu at the time, which is she's now my wife. Um, we were living together and then we had to give up our rental property because we were like, let's live in the cafe. There's no money for rent. We can't afford rent. Mm-hmm. So we started living in the cafe and one of my friends felt sorry for us. So he gave us an old van and we like, and so we moved into the van. And then we we're living in that, in the car park of the cafe. And I'd work um, every day and then I was just running out of money. So I was like, okay, what I can do is I can go and get a job as an electrician to sustain the cafe. Wow. So I did that. But the problem was the guy that I worked for as an electrician, he was a bit of a con artist and he never gave me my license to be an electrician. He was holding it back. Uh, like a, It was just a whole other story, but he was holding mm. it back and it was this real toxic thing. So I had to go find a job where I didn't have a resume, I didn't have time to make a resume or a cover letter and I didn't have an electrical license and that is so hard. Mm. Anyway, I found one and um, I went on to seek which is just like an employment um, website. And I found an uh, electrical job that was in Brisbane. Mm. And so my cafe was in Byron. So it was like an hour and a half drive. And I just wrote him an email and it was just a really vulnerable email. And I just said like, hey guys, I know you would be getting so many resumes and cover letters. And to be honest, I'm so busy all the time and I work so hard that I don't have time to write a cover letter or a resume. But I bet you this, nobody has said to you, that they're going to work hard. And I can tell you right now, I'm the hardest working person you'll ever meet and mm. I, I need this job. Mm. He rang me up five minutes later and he's like, when is the interview? You're the only person that didn't send me an overqualified resume that meant nothing. Wow. Yeah, and I got that job. I got goosebumps. Oh, man. And then, 
so Monday looked like this. Wake up at 4 a.m. and I'd drive to Brisbane. I'd work 12 hours and I'd drive back and I'd get home about like 7, 8 like, um, p.m. And then I'd do that five days a week. Friday afternoon, the cafe was open as a restaurant. So I'd walk in, get my paycheck, put it straight in the till, work all Friday night till about 1, 2 a.m. Uh, the next morning, I would work cafe open like earlier. So I'd be up 5 a.m., getting all the prep going and I'd run the cafe um, breakfast, lunch and dinner Saturday, breakfast, lunch and dinner Sunday. It would open up late on Sunday. We'd have music. This cafe is a big cafe too. We used to sit 350 people. So it was huge. Mm. There'd be people everywhere and we'd have big bands coming in and like we had like the host of Triple J come down and they'd love mm. it. And um, we had Silverchair, I think it was. Um, they were recording next door and they'd come in and have their own table and like, oh, sorry, not Silverchair, Powderfinger. Mm. Um, so this was like 13 years ago. And so it was like this really cool, there was like cool culture and stuff like that, but. It wasn't making money though. Wasn't making money. So when it got to Sunday night, I'd look at the till and it's empty. And, you know, I pay everyone on Sunday, I pay all the staff and I pay all the suppliers and I'll get on the computer and I'd pay everything that went out and it'd be empty. And then Monday was like start again. And so I'd work all week. How long did you do that for? So that was the last six months. Six months. Yeah. So six months of just doing that and doing that. Um, And I used to like, because I'd have to drive home sometimes, like I used to have this old van that someone um, gave me and I'll drive up and sometimes I'll just pull up in the front yard and I'll just mm. like after work, I would hop in my car and I'll just sleep there. And then the next morning I'll just get back up and go straight back to work. How was like, your, like, did you ever stop in that moment and think like, like have a meltdown? <laughs> like, or were you just <laughs> going, going, going that you didn't even have a chance to stop? Yeah, there was no chance to stop. There was like a lot of pressure and stress. I just felt like it, that's what business was. Mm. And to be honest, I didn't really care. Like I was also mourning my dad and like um, keeping busy, keeping busy, and I and I felt like yeah, I felt like that was just like normal at the time, I guess. Yeah. And so, yeah. how wasn't it making money? Like, what was going wrong there? Too many overheads, not enough. Yeah, way too many overheads. Um, the rent went up every month because the um, I didn't have like a proper lease deal with um, the owners of the cafe, and they just seen me as being really successful because every month we would like double the amount of people coming through basically. Mm. Um, so then they would double the rent and it just went up and up until the point where I was like, okay, but I can't pay that because I literally can't. Mm. And that, that kind of was the thing that tipped me over the edge. The rent. The rent. I was like, it's, you know, it started off this much and now it's doubled and yeah. like I literally, I can't afford anything. Like, Which is also another uh, like um, – example of like yeah it's sometimes business can look really easy and you know popular on the outside but you know it's what's going on in the books that's really happening you know Mm. so you do six months of this the rent keeps going up you've got no no money coming in like you know zero dollars at the end yeah what happens so um my girlfriend turned to me and she's like jai we have to shut this down Wow. And we're going to shut it down on the day that we opened 12 months later. And wow. so she's like, you can't pay back the banks. The, um, like, we can't pay anybody. Like, there is there is nothing. And I was in denial. I said, no, we can do it. I can get another job. Like, I could do it. Um, and then I, I had to face the facts. And I was like, that's true. Like, I, I have to, like, file for bankruptcy. Like, there's, there is no options here. Mm. Um, so I decided to throw one last big party. And then so we put on a big party. And it was like $25 at the door. And we had big bands come. And I think we made, like, it was just like probably like twenty five, thirty thousand that night or something, mm. and people were like, "Oh my god, this cafe is the best thing ever!" And I'm like, "Well, I'm glad that you liked it, but you guys didn't support us when we were open. Today's the last day." Mm. And people were mind blown. And that's the thing too, like looking at what went wrong with that business. If I had enough money to sustain the first year or the first yeah. twenty four months, it would have been successful. Yeah. But I just didn't have that. 
Yeah, which I guess you got off on the on a fucking hard foot with yeah. your dad, losing your dad, having overheads that came up. But I think that's some good advice there too in terms of, um, yeah, oh, like you get going into business. Like, you know, I have people come to me and go, do I leave my job and start my, my side hustle or take it seriously? And I think it's always smart. To, save that money yeah to have that <laughs> money in the bank and or to have a plan and not mm. be really transparent and clear about what is it actually going to cost you um so that you're really aware of where, what you need and what you know worst case scenarios situations definitely and, yeah wow so that's massive and i think that's the part that i'm like you could have stopped at bankruptcy yeah and you yeah. could have like <laughs> you had every right as a human being to crumble in like you're living in a van, you've mm-hmm. got one business down the drain, you've lost your dad, you've now had thousands of so, dollars worth of debt. I can I can tell you the day after we shut down. Yeah. It was like the is to this day one of the best days of my life. Mm. So um we were like we shut the door, we shut the roller door and everything and it was all over, closed it down and then we drove to the beach and then we were like sleeping in, in this car park in the headland. And I remember, like, I made the bed in the back of this van. It's an old Trago. It was worth, like, $200, you know. Um, And the next – I couldn't really sleep that night. And the next morning, I remember waking up and I had this feeling like I just lost everything. And how am I supposed to feel? And I was trying to, like, see how I'm supposed to feel. But then I was, like, laying there and I was just watching the sun rise over the ocean. And the sun was, like, coming in through the car. And there was no one around. And I was just watching it and I was listening to the sound of the ocean and there was like nothing else. And I was like, for some reason, it doesn't feel like the end of the world. Mm. Like it actually feels like this is the start of something. Like it was like, it was like a weight's been lifted off my shoulders and now I get to start again. And it was Mm. the most amazing feeling because I also knew that when people say when you fail and you go bankrupt and like you're at your lowest point, I was like, if this is it. I'm experiencing it right now. And yeah, this 19, is easy. Great. Thank you yeah. very much. Yeah. Great. I'm like, this Glad is easy. Yeah, way. yeah. <laughs> and like, and, and to be honest, like, um, I probably will go bankrupt again. Like, mm. there's no, like, anything in my mind that says that I won't because uh, I'm not scared of it. Mm. If you've been there, you're only scared of what you, ca- what you don't know and what you haven't experienced firsthand. Mm. Um, and I've experienced it and, like, I'm happy living uncomfortably and I'm happy mm. to – take the risks on myself and have and back myself, my own self-belief. Mm. And if I lose everything right now, I'm 33 years old. Mm. That is so young. Mm. Like next in 10 years' time, I'll have a million dollars. So it's like when you think about it like that, it's just like rolling the dice and seeing what sticks. So yeah. in the last 10 years, I've actually opened and shut down lots of businesses yeah. because they just didn't work. Yeah. And it, and yeah. I think you learned that lesson, like as fucking hard as it sounds like it was, you learned the lesson that failure can't kill you, you know, and I think mm. like I, I talk about this a lot with um, fear, like so many people who don't start their businesses because of fear. And yeah. what is fear? Fear is a, is a chemical reaction in your body, a physiological reaction that says fight or flight, right? Mm-hmm. And that is hardwired in us for survival, and it the survival that we learnt that for no longer exists. You mm. know, like that is um like debt can't kill you, you know, and you've got enough people around you, like that that debt is not a tiger uh, coming at your throat with sharp teeth, you know, like Yeah, you have options. 
you yeah. do when you have, you know, worst case scenarios, you're living in a van with a woman that you love and totally. you've got a weight lifted off your shoulder and the sun's still fucking rising. Yeah. Know? I mean, who cares if I don't have a TV yeah. or I don't have like, you know, somewhere to park my car or something wow. like that. Like, I love that. yeah, all those things are so monetary and they like, yeah, owning stuff just like basically owns you. And when you yeah. free yourself up like that, it's like, oh, yeah. and now I'm a, I'm a clean slate. And also... That 12 months that I owned that cafe, exactly 12 months, was the biggest, best thing that happened in terms of a career. Um, fast track. A, a fast track. It was literally an education in business. Yeah. Like, I have such an extensive business education now. Mm. And when people ask me, how do you know that? I'm like, because I've done that. Yeah, no, I actually <laughs> had to figure it out. Like, yeah. I, I remember like when I've I have been in that situation. Like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I, yeah, there was, I had to go and find the answers, you know. And I think that's another skill set, like in terms of teaching people at home how to be a successful entrepreneur. What I see in you is the skill set of like, yeah, asking that question and how do I figure it out? And um, so many people sit back and go, oh, well, I can't see an answer. And, you know, mm. it's like, keep going until you find the answer. And yeah, it's that there. Drive. Yeah. Um, Amazing. So then what did you just quickly um, is what was the biggest – so then you went and you had that bankruptcy. What What did you tell me before this episode um, we started recording? Then you just gave yourself a challenge to, to buy a bunch of houses or something? Um, I I went to the mines and I, and I actually paid back all the all – the, um, I went to the mines for two years. It was like a prison sentence straight after because I had to go back and I was making five grand a week and I was literally just paying it back to the banks and debts and everything like yeah. that. But then after that, um, I went and worked for that same company that I had when I had the cafe and I went and worked for them, moved to Brisbane, went and worked for them. And then I was, I was working my way up and I made a lot of money and um, the boss loved me because I was the hardest worker, you know, that mm. he could ever see. And I would take it upon myself to like run the job. And then after a while, he he said, hey, would you like to move to Melbourne and I'll give you a job down there and you can run the whole thing. It's like 350 houses. You can, you manage everybody, you employ everybody and I'll pay you, you know, 150,000 a year plus give you a house to live in and pay for all your experience, like everything basically. Mm. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And by this stage, I was like 24, 25, youngest yeah. electrician to get a job like this. Yeah, People wow. laughed at me on the job site. Like yeah. I'd walk on and the engineer would be like, no, but where's the leading hand electrician? And I'm like, that's me, man. And I'll be telling the electrical engineer like how things need to change. Like and in the trade <laughs> world, because my, my both of my brothers are tradies, electricians actually. Yeah. Like I know what it's like on site. Mm. They the stories that I hear. And for those listening at home, Jai, you're not the biggest man I've seen. Totally. <laughs> like it will. I'm sure we'll share a photo, but yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So you know, like that's whole. I think what I see actually, I just realized that. Yeah. You, and I people have said this about me too, like. We're both quite small people. We're very petite. But yeah. it's like we have this energy that we think we're bigger. It's like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like size doesn't really matter. Yeah. It's um, it's like your energy, leadership your whole- and, and your presence. Yeah. yeah. So, what I learned over those 12 months, um, the first 12 months working in this job down here, hiring people was how to become a leader. Mm. And I needed to get a... I needed to be a leader that showed up for people that like inspired them and got them like working. And I did that. Like after 12 months... Um, on this job site, like everyone respected me, everyone I worked with like loved me, um, and it all came down of just like honing in of tr- just like working at how to be the right leader, like how to be vulnerable with them, how to show them the right way and the wrong way, how to listen to them, how to understand them, mm. and then from that you get tremendous amount of respect because mm. people are like, oh man, like Joe, what do we do now? And also backing them, mm. like my team was always right. It wasn't custom always right. Mm. It was my team was right, mm-hmm. and we're family. And then you know if anyone 
did anything to our family, I'd be at the front going like, this is not the way you treat my boys or this yeah. is not the thing, you yeah. know, so. So, you're in this massive job. Yeah. Um, you move to Melbourne. Yeah. You make a shitload of money. Yeah. And then you set yourself a challenge. So, what, what happened was I realized I was living in a really nice um, place in Elwood and it was like a uh, converted um, warehouse, really nice. And everyone around me was really successful and they're all driving BMWs and they're all just like splurging the cash. And a lot of them like my age. And I started thinking like, I get paid a lot of money right now, but I don't have any money. Mm. And I'm like, well, why don't I have money? Why can't I buy a BMW? Why can't I do these things? And it started dawning on me that it's like, oh, because I didn't go to school, I missed that. Like, mm. that's what they teach you at school, what to do with money or how to invest it and how to do these things. So, for two years, I studied money. Mm. I wanted to know, like, how do people make it? How do they keep it? What do they spend it on? How do they invest it? How to grow it? Like all these things. And um, I read like every book under the sun. I what? Give us some of the names. Of books? Yep. Um, I only can give Rich you- Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, I definitely Rich read Dad. that one. Yep. I mean, like I already had that mindset too. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's like stuff like Rich Dad, um, Poor Dad, that was like mindset. But a lot of it was um, really technical stuff. So, yeah, a lot of it yeah. was like how to actually invest and yep. like it was like big investor ones. Okay. Um, and then I funneled a lot of my money into hiring a financial planner yeah. and I actually hired him to give me an education. Mm. So, he was like, what do you want? And I was like, I want you to teach me a whole bunch of scenarios of how I can make a shitload of money mm. through like property and yeah. through shares and stuff. So, I think I spent like maybe 15000 on him just having like almost like a personal coach, but yeah. he wasn't a personal coach, yeah. if that makes sense. Um, and then I learned so much lingo and then I hired my accountant and I would learn how to like speak with him. And then the penny dropped and I was like wait a second, no one learns this stuff because when I talk to anyone about it, no one knows it. And the second thing is it's so bloody easy but everyone thinks there's a secret so mm. no one does anything. Mm. And I was like, it can't be this easy. It just can't be. So, I made it a point. I was like, okay, I'm going to go out and get a million-dollar loan and see if I can do that. Mm. And then with that million dollars, I'm going to go and buy um, as many properties as I can in Melbourne, which was two at the time. Um and just see if it works. And I want to buy them. So, once I buy these houses, I want to quit my job. Mm-hmm. And so, that was my goal. Buy these houses, quit my job. Mm-hmm. Because you need a, a steady income to, to get a loan, right? Mm-hmm. So, I um, went to the bank, uh, got the loan so easy because I was an electrician making lots of money. Um, I think I saved up about $100,000 myself. Mm-hmm. So, I had a 10% deposit. And that year, I went around and I bought two properties. Um, and then I was like, okay. So, people moved in. People were paying for it. I didn't need to put any money into them. Then I was like, okay, so where does it go wrong? Like, what's wrong here? Mm. And then nothing did. And I think about three weeks went past. And then I was like, all right, well, I'm quitting my job now. I don't need a job. I already bought houses. Why do I need a job? <laughs> so, I quit my job. Um, and then I just decided I was going to be a photographer. Mm. And that was it. And I started a wedding <laughs> photography business. I had no, had no experience in it. I didn't have, you know, anything. And I literally was just like, oh, now I'm going to be a wedding photographer. And I was a that was my thing yeah we naturally good at taking photos yeah like i was um for the a few years before that i bought like a camera and i would just take photos and i thought it was really easy so and i I loved it as well and so it was just a thing i was just like so you just had a a camera lying around that you're like oh pretty much yeah 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 and so how long ago was that seven years ago seven years you quit your job you still got your houses yeah um and now you are where you are now yeah and how many weddings so you do weddings all over the world yeah amazing Mm mm-hmm uh, can I ask how much you charge for a wedding? Um, between five and ten thousand, yeah. or sometimes it got to fifteen thousand, depending on the wedding. Amazing. But I average, I would say I average about seven and a half to eight thousand per wedding. That's incredible! Like that is such an inspiring story. 
from someone who went, I'm going to do this. I mean, you've yeah. done it your whole life, obviously. Yeah, yeah. You know, taking yourself back to school. Like, yeah. it's just like, it's it doesn't matter what the scenario is. It's the skill set that, you know, you can almost go, okay, these are the things that Jai does really well. Cut, cut and paste, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, um, getting a job or going, going back to school or... It's yeah. exactly the same. What people don't realize, I've got like different businesses in different fields and I've done it in different fields is yeah. business is business and yeah. it's exactly the same every time. So, when I came into this space, I didn't know how to use my camera even though I shot 30 weddings my first year and by second year, I was named um, one of the 30 um, best wedding photographers in the world by Rangefinder in New York and I got wow. like a runner-up photographer of the year in Australia as well and like all these things by second year but I didn't even know how to use my camera in first year. Yeah, wow. And, um, but the thing was I knew business yeah. and so I knew that creatives didn't know business and I'm really creative mm. and then so I could bring it into a space where I'm like I'm so creative but then I creatively think about business <laughs> and so my – uh, whole approach to business is like it's a creative outlet for me. Like mm. I love creating something out of an idea and then like putting a new spin on it and then putting it out to the world. Like mm. that's yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I think that's that natural entrepreneur skill set of like, hey, now I know how to do this. What else can I do? Like, yeah, what other? I can apply you know, it everywhere. Yeah, it's and I think that's something that I've learned as a business coach is like people come in and sometimes they're like, have you ever worked with somebody in this industry before? And most industries I have now because I've been doing it for five years. But I'm like, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. I'll, totally. I'll get a bit of backstory and I'll do a bit of research into your industry mm. and, and a bit of knowledge of what I now know. Um, but it's a yeah, it's more about seeing where. I mean, for me, when the, someone comes in for a business coaching session, the first thing I say is, "What's the dream?" Yeah. And as soon as they mm-hmm. tell me the dream, then my brain starts going like, "How do I?" What about asking why aren't you doing it yet? Why aren't you living the dream? Yeah. And then you see what the actual problem is, huh? Yeah. Like I always do that. Like I do that. I teach like workshops for wedding photographers at the moment, and um, like when someone tells me like, "Joe, I want to shoot fifty weddings, and I want to do this, and I want to get in the magazines that you're in and stuff," and I'll say, "Why aren't you doing it though?" Yeah. And then when they tell you why they're not, yeah. Like sometimes they'll verbalize the reason why they're not where they want to be and then they'll almost laugh at themselves. But mm. wait a second, that's is that the reason? Yeah. And I'll say to it, is that the actual reason? Because yeah. um, it's your mindset. You'll go, oh, it's it's okay. So, like, it's all mindset. Like, yeah. I, even just I'm asking myself that question now. I'm like, why aren't they doing that? And I'm like, ah. It's just like, well, get up and fucking do it. You know, like yeah. mine is. Why aren't we doing this yeah. right now? Like, <laughs> leave the house. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, amazing. So, I want to ask, obviously, um, you're doing really well now, but tell us a little bit about how do you maintain that energy? Like, do you have mentors or coaches that you now, um, that keep you, like, I, I look at you and I go, you're very driven. You have a lot of energy. Um, you're focused, you mm-hmm. know, you, you work very hard. How, what are the things in place that help you to maintain those qualities apart from it being totally natural to you? Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> such a good question, actually. Um, I've, I've actually struggled my whole life because when I was um, in, when I was like living in the projects when I was younger, people would tell me what my destiny was. And they'll mm-hmm. say, you could get a job at McDonald's. Like, you know, and work your way up. Like, Mm. so there was like limiting beliefs by people around me because they only could see one person doing something and then that's what they would have to follow in those footsteps. Mm. And I didn't know anyone that ran a business. And I definitely did not know anyone that had six-figure income. Definitely Mm. did not know that. Um, But so when I first got a business, I was the only person that I knew and I didn't have any mentors or anyone to help me, um, which is like interesting to say now for where I'm at. 
But as I grew into like photography, I didn't know anybody. And I definitely didn't know anyone that had a six-figure business in wedding photography. Mm. So I was the only one that was like growing into that space. Mm. And then, so there was no mentors. I was like, okay, so I don't know anyone. So I'm going to have to do it and work it out. Um, and now I'm in a space where I'm, I don't know anyone that's made a million dollars off their own ideas. Mm. Like, I just don't know that. Mm. But if I was in that space, like, I would know that. So right now I'm in the space where I'm like, oh, I don't know anyone that's doing that. But it's not an excuse I'm going to hold for myself. So I'm just going to do that. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, interesting concept because, I mean, <clears throat> you're the people that you did know. Like, I look at your upbringing and I'm like, okay, well, what you did know and your role model was your dad who was, um, you know, an addict. And, mm-hmm. like, you, it's so interesting that you didn't look at that and go, that okay, that's my part. Like, you went, okay, what are, what are other options are there? Well, I don't want that, so I'm going to get this. There, there was a lot of, like, yeah. that's not what I want. Like, yeah. I don't want that. I know I just don't want that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is that, that was enough for you to find an, an alternative. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it is even interesting that you're like, okay, I don't know anyone here, so I'm going to do it um, compared to – um, going and finding those people as well. So yeah, I think it's um uh, because uh, because I didn't. If you go to school, you're used to like if you don't know the problem, go and ask the teacher. Mm. And I never had that. I never stood up in front of a class and talked yeah, to people. Right. I never had people sitting next to me like learning off them, and I never learned off a teacher. Yep. So everything I've learned has always been like, oh, okay, I'm too embarrassed to ask right. that question because okay. I should know maths by now. Yeah. So I'm just going to go home and I'm going to learn it by myself and. To this day, I know it's like the thing that holds me back, but it's the thing that is like, oh, I don't know anyone that's doing it. And I also have a hard time people teaching me. Mm. But when I want to learn something and I'm, like you said, hyper-focused and got a lot of energy, um, I just go straight into it. And the other thing is with the energy that I have and all my family is like this, all my brothers and sisters, um, they just they got more energy than I've met anybody mm. ever. But the thing is when I go to a coach um, – Or if I go to like a mentor, like mostly a mentor, if I go to someone and I'm like, oh, once, you know, tell me how you did it. um, If they don't match my energy, then I'm Mm. like, I'm going to outgrow you in a second because Mm. I'm already brainstorming things that you've told me and I've already evolved it and and I'm ready to do the next thing, if that makes sense. And I think something that um, makes sense, I mean, it's obviously your learning strategy, um, but also it like something I've learned along the way is that yeah, there is no two stories the same. So mm. what works for one person, that doesn't always work for the other. Totally. So figuring out what you're – so where do you learn from? Where do you – when you are trying to learn something, are you podcasts, books, What? It, where's your um, – So right now I listen to um, like an hour podcast a day and I also read a book. I usually read like for an hour a day. Um, and that's I, – and I just learn on the job like – literally even just just thinking right now like we're working at like facebook ads and literally from what i knew a month ago to what i know now is like i'm almost in that expert level because i'm like put money into it and i'm making and i'm and i'm just like trial and error Mm. and i'm not scared of loot like if i lose that money it's like it doesn't matter i'm i'm investing in myself and i'm investing into my own education and so that ability to take the risk you know like how to um what's your advice around that like how do you can you give people like at home who are like, yeah, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, taking, taking the risk is interesting. We all have a different risk tolerance, but it comes down to what you're willing to sacrifice mm-hmm. and is the sacrifice like are you willing to lose that to evolve to a better you? Like mm-hmm. are you willing to give up um, maybe it's the coffee once a day because you want something else or maybe it's the mm-hmm. TV that you're paying repayments for. Are you willing to give up those comforts? And when you're willing to give up those comforts, it means you're putting yourself in a space that's uncomfortable mm. and different because you're 
growing yourself and becoming a better person. Like right now, I um, I make like, you know, decent money um, and I live in a piece of shit house that's one bedroom that's like got a caravan toilet and like bathroom in it and we have no hot plates and we use like a camper stove. Like we definitely don't have TVs and things like that. Um, I only have like what, like, you know, we don't have car. We don't have any of those things. But the thing is, the things I value, like I will spend a lot of money on like a, a course or like um, learning something podcast for myself. Equipment. Podcast yeah. equipment. Like things that I know is going to make a big impact for the goals that I have. But I won't spend money on things that I feel like it's not um, driving my cause, mm. if that makes sense. So the comfort level, like I would rather be comfortable in business and um, I'd rather make my staff more comfortable and like, you know, spend the money, like I'll buy them a nice new chair and like mm. a nice new monitor, but I won't do that for myself because it doesn't do, there's no impact for me. Mm. You know, I'd rather spend on other things that makes me yeah, happier. It's yeah. like that discipline I think for you is like a, you're very intentional about your life and yeah. you've got your, your goal and you're not prepared to stop. Yeah. And I'm very confident in my goal as well. And like having confidence, like don't take don't take a risk if you're not confident in yourself mm. because having confidence in yourself you may not um succeed the first go but if you've got confidence it means you will get back up and mm. you will do it again because you have that belief that you're able to do it and i think that's a great piece of advice because um if if you don't succeed first time so many people give up Right. Yeah. And then I think that's That like, was too hard. I'm going back to my normal job. Yeah. Like, and mm. even like um I can definitely acknowledge times where I've done it where like you host a workshop and you're just like, Cool, this is gonna be a sellout, you know, like mm-hmm. I can I'm so connected to it and you don't hit your target for the kind of number of tickets you want to sell or totally. something. And then it's so easy to go, I'm never doing that workshop again. But it's like, Okay, well what if now we go again and what we act as what we learned and mm-hmm. Um, those people who uh, came are going to talk yeah, about Yeah, I'm, I'm literally going through this right now because I'm like transitioning into like more education and like teaching like creative entrepreneurs and stuff like that. Mm. So, I'm doing like courses and things. And so, last year I made this decision at the start of the year and I, and I released this big workshop that was going to be like leveling up um, next level for like creative entrepreneurs in terms of like tax and investing mm. your money and super and like all these things that people don't like to talk about. And I released um, – because I've been doing workshops for the last five, six years and they sell out every time now. So, I released six workshops and I sold like two tickets mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, my God. Okay. So, take a back seat, Jai. Like, you know, you thought you had this but now you need to like reconfigure everything. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people just give up. And then so – What did you do when you had when you got sold two tickets? Did you run it? For the two no, no. I had to oh. refund it because they were like in two different cities right. and stuff. So, I refunded it but it gave me this drive of like, okay, Jai, you didn't pass that test. So, let's do that again uh-huh. but let's do it differently. Yeah. And then so, what I did from that one thing, it um, I failed so hard on that that I went out and I hired a project manager and I hired a designer and I hired all these people because I was like, okay – I don't want to be defeated on this and I know I can make it work, but I just need persistence and I need to keep going Mm. and I need to like go all in because if I'm not all in, Mm. then it's like, of course you didn't, you know, pass Jai because you only put in a little bit of effort Mm. and then how are you expecting the results that you're expecting? Which is, I think, such an important key to success and so many people like getting out of that comfort zone, acting in the face of fear, being prepared to fail you know, going to the drawing board, back totally. to the drawing board. Start and, again. Mm-hmm. And starting again. It's like that's where the creation happens. And the number of people who go, oh, yeah, maybe now's not the right time or, you know, I've got kids or, you know, I can't because of a mortgage or whatever. And totally. it's, yeah, and I just think of um, 
the energy that it takes to to be in something different, you know, and to create and to pull yourself out of the known mm. and the comfort zone and and do it and sit in it and learn from it is so powerful. Yeah, it like, is. Yeah. It, it takes a lot of um, emotional intelligence to yeah. be able to actually like sit there and like see how you feel and how yeah. you can move past it. And I think people expect to stay in a comfort zone and go, oh, yeah, my dreams are going to happen here, you know, and it's yeah. like the reality is every dream that I've ever heard about that's come true has been from hard work yeah. and being outside of your comfort zone. What about being comfortable of being out of your comfort zone though? Because that's kind of yeah. where I am now and it feels weird because – Everything that we do now, it's like I'm pushing the limits, but I'm comfortably doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm like, well, oh, fuck, of course. It's like you- if it doesn't work out, I'm like, of course it didn't fucking work out. Yeah. Did you hear the, our idea? Like, yeah. <laughs> let's start again. I mean, I would, my initial thoughts were like, you need a dream bigger. Like, totally. you push yourself to the next level outside of your comfort zone. Yeah. Um, but then also, I think like Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about being in the present moment. And I think when you're truly deeply, which, you know, I definitely get that sense from you of living in the present moment here and now and not retelling the story of the old Jai who, who yeah. did these things and not freaking out about what if it works or doesn't work. Mm. Like you're in the present moment. Yeah. it's This is all we have. Yeah. And the present <laughs> moment is like, that's you know, where the true abundance is because mm. it's like you're here now, you're not in a story. It's just cool. Yeah, and I think a lot of people get hung up on uh, limiting beliefs of like their old story. So, mm. like I could sit here and say like, oh, I didn't have much education, that's why I didn't make it and that's mm. why, you know, something. But that's just a story that that was me, yeah, maybe, but it's not me now. Yeah. Like it's not me, you and know. And you're not prepared to stay there and I think that's a beautiful piece of advice for people at home who may have this idea for a side hustle or they want to up-level and take it to the next level. It's like um, you have to go into a new story and you have to be mm. uncomfortable in that and I think – yeah staying the same is only going to cause you frustration and pain like we're as life is about evolving hey and if you want some homework right now i want you to get get rid of your shit story if you've got a shit Mm -hmm. story at home right now and Mm -hmm. you know what it is you you're the person that's going like oh i'm not successful because of so and so Mm. um i want you to get out a piece of paper and write a story that you're in love with like do that and when you do that, take a photo of it and tag both of us in it so we can have a look. Yeah. I want to see it on Instagram. Write a story. What if, if you're looking, you know, one year from now, five years from now, ten years from now, and you want to be in love with your life and your story, then write that story. Amazing. What's your, what's your Instagram handle? Uh, it's jialong.co. J-A-I-L-O-N-G dot co. And at Startup Creative. Amazing. Great piece of advice. Yeah, I can't wait to I can't wait to see all the stories. I often do with people to write down the story that they hate and burn it. Like it's like physical Yeah, put, put like, that in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> like physically being like this can fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So I want to finish on a couple of um, pieces of advice, which I think cool. something that I've been really battling with over the last year of like noticing how much of business comes down to our mindset. And how so many people like that is the biggest thing holding people back, including myself. Um, but if if you really let that negative mindset roll, you will degrade your mental health. And I've definitely played on that line of you know if it of letting that take control mm-hmm. of me and and it being a dangerous place of of going into a depression or really deep self doubt. Um, so I think a conversation that's really important for every entrepreneur out there or 
somebody with an idea who maybe is feeling stuck and mm-hmm. overwhelmed um, or is kicking massive goals and, you know, really playing in the in the field of outside of their comfort zone. Um, what are some mental health, what's your mental health strategy in terms of, you know, a mental health plan of keeping yourself sane, um, totally. keep healthy, happy, inspired by life? What mm-hmm. are, this is a great go, question. You know, three or four things that are like, absolutely. Without these, I crumble. Absolutely. So, one thing is, I've never actually had a burnout. So that's been good. And so, tip number one is, I don't do anything I don't love. Mm-hmm. And that's like, I don't care. If I'm like selling a course and it's making lots of money, if I don't love it, I just don't do it anymore. So mm-hmm. that is like a huge one for me. Great. Um, the uh, another one is I take time for myself. I unfortunately at, at this present time right now I don't get any days off, so I work every single day because uh, I've got different businesses and, and different callings all the time. But I do wake up early in the morning, like six a.m. And I go for a walk with my dog and I listen to a podcast episode for about an hour. And I feel like that's my time because I get to level up my education and I just get to sit in my own thoughts. And I'll go to the park and then after the podcast, I'll literally just sit there and I'll just write notes of things, like a takeaway from what that podcast was. Um, and that's, to me, better than the whole weekend off. Like I get that every morning and then I walk into the studio and I'm so happy. So mm. that's definitely number two. Number three is... Um, one of my biggest supporters when I started my career um, is someone that like you got to surround yourself with positive people, right? But they got to be people that believe in you. So I had a friend that believed in me so much that um, it sounds like this. If I say, hey, I want to quit my job, um, most people will say like at least you can go back to it. Mm-hmm. And that's just them stepping in saying like that's not going to work. Um, you got a backup plan, right? Mm-hmm. But when you got someone that actually believes in you, they will say, um, you'll say, hey, I'm thinking about quitting my job. And they'll say, imagine the possibilities. Imagine you'll be able to travel around the world. You'll be a photographer. You'll be in magazines. Like, so if you have- The dream for you. The dream for you, yeah. So um, I I had a friend like that. He actually passed away because he was doing his dream, which was um, motorbike racing. Oh, wow. And he he was an amazing guy because he would talk about how he was going to be one of the world's best and race in the titles one day. And no one believed him because he had no money came from a poor family and the odds were stacked against him. But when you talk to him, you definitely thought he would. I mm. thought he would because I didn't know how it was going to happen, but it was going to happen because uh, he believed in himself. And because he believed in himself, I believed in him. Um, and he did. He ended up going and competing worlds, you know, in Europe and everything like that. And it was insane. Um, so, I did fall into the first time in my life I fell into some depression after he passed away because it was pretty sudden and he was like a big support for me. So, my big tip here is surround yourself with people and um, even if it's like hiring a co-working space, like if you're by yourself and you're sitting with your thoughts, uh, get out of that mm-hmm. and or go and have drinks with people or do something because as creative entrepreneurs, we tend to work alone a lot of the time and we can mm-hmm. feel like we're alone Um and what I loved about the tradie culture is people would work hard, but then they would party hard and they would have mm-hmm. drinks and they would let go of all the tension that they had from the workday and all their mm-hmm. thoughts and things like that. And uh, I struggled going into the creative world because people didn't do that. Mm-hmm. They would go back by themselves and they would be recluse and they would draw and do things like mm-hmm. that, which is fine. But I think you need to go out and socialize and um, and be have that outlet where you can just talk. Mm-hmm. Um Last one will be, hmm, I would say 
do some do some passion projects. Like we can get so caught up in like our goal and our business and um the more that you go out of your way to do like a passion project, um kind of like for instance like my podcast. Um I started that because I was like why not start a podcast? Um that'd be fun. And right now it costs me a lot of money per month. Uh I have people editing it and all that kind of stuff. Doesn't make me any money and I didn't do it for the money. I didn't do it for the business and it's actually changing and is going into that now like and that happened organically Mm. but it's like allow yourself to play and experiment and just do it even if you're not going to get the returns or if you're not going to make some money because just do it because you love it Mm. um the more projects you take on like that the more it's going to exercise your creative brain allow you to see more opportunities and then sometimes just maybe change the direction or the course of your life in a different way Mm, amazing great advice and i think we might leave it there because there's been so much juicy goodness in that so thank you so much for being so honest and open and vulnerable and sharing so much of yourself um congratulations on a fucking (laughs) winning mentality on life um And I'm looking forward to seeing what you do next. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I just want to say um, thanks for getting on my podcast as well and uh, giving me a mentor session. I love everything that you do. I love following you on Instagram and seeing all the things, you know, seeing you showing up um, and unapologetically showing up and being yourself. And it's just like refreshing. And um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thank you. I think there might be more creation between us in this year. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks, Jay. Thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. I hope it was helpful. Um, We've actually put together a bonus piece of content for you guys. So Jai and I'll be presenting a live webinar next Tuesday, the 4th of February at 2 p.m. And we're going to share with you hacks on how to achieve success with ease in your business. It was a topic that came up as soon as we hit stop on the podcast recording and we spent about half an hour talking about what's worked for us and why it's worked and what hasn't worked. So we're going to put a a webinar together, probably about an hour long, and share those with you. So if you'd like to join us, head to the show notes on startupcreative.com.au. There'll be a link there. Put your email address in and we'll send you the link to join us live. If you can't make it live, we'll send you the recording as soon as we're finished. See you there. Thank you so much for tuning into the Startup Creative Podcast. If you get a chance, head to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you get notified every time there's a new podcast up. See you next week.